0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History podcast, where we evaluate players' cases for the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley. Over there somewhere is Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And today we have a, uh, once again, another defenseman episode. Um, This one is a little different than the last one in that um, there's only one American, two Canadians. and. Just like the last time, though, uh, we have two players who played together for some time. So our eligible player is Brian Falsky. Uh Our in- recently inducted player is Scott Niedermeyer, And our old timer is George Boucher, sometimes known as Buck Boucher, which, funnily enough, I've heard of George Boucher a lot. I had never heard of his nickname until like, I was doing the research. <laughs> and then I was like, well, his name is Buck? I've literally never heard that before. Whereas like, with Bullet Joe Simpson, it was, every time you see his name, it says Bullet Joe Simpson. Yeah. When I, I was reading a, a game summary, and it was like, Buck Boucher. And I was like, who the hell's Buck Boucher? <laughs> and then I Googled it. It was like, oh, it's him. Oh, OK. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so first up, we have sort of a weird one, in that um, he played in the first decade of the 21st century, but he only played 833 games, which is not a lot in terms yeah. of modern players. Um, and this is Brian Rafalski. Uh, who was only ever on two teams, um, both of whom were very good while he was on them. Yes. So he, he only played for 11 seasons, but he was good in all of those seasons, and um, somehow he's still he's plus he's 178, which makes him the fifth highest in plus minus of any American D all-time while wow. only playing 833 games, which is That's impressive. says either something about him or the Devils and the Red Wings <laughs> at that
1: time. Or the quality of American defensemen leading up until, you know, that too.
0: Yeah. That too. So, um, Rafalski was, uh, if you know him, famously undrafted. And uh, so we normally talk about drafts on the show, but um, because he wasn't drafted, we'll compare him to just everybody who wasn't drafted since I decided since expansion. The yeah. draft predates expansion by five or six years, I think. But. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of the uh, various defensemen who play at least uh, 750 games since expansion, who were not drafted, Rafalski is essentially a top five, with the exception of goals. Wow. So, he's like fifth in defensive point shares. He's sixth in point shares, so top six. Anyway, that's good company. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting that 750 games eliminates Bobby Orr because uh, he didn't play 750 games after uh, um, expansion, because he played a few before, like, a season before. And then, of course, he just, I don't even think he played, like, he played 600 games, I think, or 650 yeah, or something. Yeah. So,
1: well, to be fair, had they had the draft when Bobby Orr was, he had already been signed by Boston. I think he got signed when he was 14. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's kind of an anomaly anyways, I would say.
0: Yeah, but just saying, had he been included, oh, Ruf- yeah. you bump Ravalski down another notch there. Yes. Um, but uh you know there's like it, that's a weird group of guys because some of the guys were just pre you know managed to play 750 games past expansion while not having been drafted because the draft didn't exist and yeah. other you know it's a it's a weird mix but anyway it just it just goes to show that of that motley co- collection of NHL players Ravalski was stands out yes you know he's he's top six top seven whatever you want to say mm-hmm. um He also stands out in his era um, quite remarkably. Uh, If you just go by uh, things like assists and points and hockey references point shares, Mm -hmm. uh, hockey reference point shares uh, say he's the third uh, best defenseman, sorry, second best defenseman that play at least 750 games between 1999 and 2011. Wow. So that's highly uh,
1: controversial, right? Mm-hmm. I would think so. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I think Rafalski was a fine defenseman, um, but typically played on loaded teams or with an incredibly good defense partner. Um, and the
0: other thing is, if you look at his average time on ice, it's 23 minutes, mm-hmm. which is fine, but yeah. it's not Lidstrom esque. It's not Pronger esque. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I was about to say it's not Scott Niedermeyer esque. I just wanted to double check. It isn't. Scott Niedermeyer played 25 and a half minutes per game over his career. So there's a significant difference there. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to draw attention to that because, like, if you just go by, if you do like an era thing and say, like, there's 23 defensemen played 750 games between 99 and 2011, Rafalski looks fantastic. Yeah. Aside from the goal department, he didn't score very many goals. He scored 79 in his career. Mm -hmm. It's like he's just, he's behind Lidstrom. It's just, it's, it's Lidstrom, Rafalski. Wow. And then a couple and in like points per game and stuff, someone else is uh, in there. I don't remember yeah. who. Probably Niedermeyer. No no that no that Niedermeyer is not in that group, I don't think. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. It points a very nice picture of him. But mm-hmm. uh, as we'll see when we get to great teams, he was never a number one defenseman. Yeah. And he also played much of his career, ne- like Gary Suter from last week, he played mm-hmm. much of his career next to a Hall of Fame defenseman.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know. Like, not just Hall of Fame defenseman, but yeah. like slam dunk
0: Hall of Fame defensemen. In, like- in the case of Ledstrom, one of the best possibly, you know, two or three defensemen in the history of, or four, depending on your preferences. Yeah. You know, Bobby Orr, and then you can get in a fight about who's second. Yeah, totally. um, but, you, and, know, and,
1: and, you know, Niedermeyer's nothing to sneeze at either. I mean, you
0: know, yeah, you know, and also they were the devils, yes, you know, and they were loaded on defense, and they had a a, a goalie who, in some cases, functioned as a third a defenseman. defenseman. <laughs> so, um, they, they
1: made a rule basically because of him,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, all of this is a long way of saying, like, take these numbers with a grain of, like, a big grain of salt. Like I, I was a big Rafalski fan when he played actually. Yeah, I,
1: I I thought he was a really solid number two defenseman for his entire yeah. career. I was like, wow, I'd like to have that guy on my team. He does everything right, but he's not the kind of guy who takes over a game the way that a Niedermeyer or a Lidstrom or even a Chelios when he was younger, or a Brian Leach during his heyday. It's like oh that guy is if he decides he's gonna take over the game, there's not much you can do about it. He's just that good. Yeah. And I so I just, I just... was like that for a period too. Um, Yeah, just couldn't stop the damn guys. You know, he'd stop you at one end and then create a chance at the other end. You're just like this guy's everywhere.
0: (laughs) And and I think that that's like if if you didn't watch Rafalski and you just go through Hockey Reference and look at this stuff, you you might be tempted to, you know, assume Mm -hmm. that about Rafalski. But the one thing that sort of discredits that is, I we did his 82 game average, of course, which is good, very good for a defenseman, 51 points. Yeah, but this is where point shares actually isn't like point shares is deceptive. If you do the era thing, cause it suggests he's the second best defenseman of the era. But like, if you look at his 82 game average, it's, it's less than 10 point shares per season, which is very good. But mm-hmm. like Lidstrom, her career is like oh, well over 11. Um, I believe Nita minor is as well. Yeah. And so he's, it does. When you factor, you know, there there's, it's it's not necessarily so much that Rafalski was the second best defenseman, is that he was on teams that were very very good, yeah. and uh, he played enough to accumulate these point shares, but maybe not quite a, uh, and and on good enough t- and never on bad teams. So he gets all these point shares for these winning teams, and then he doesn't get the like he doesn't have the shitty seasons that drag down. Um, you know that like it, he retired relatively young. Well, he played, yes. late, but like. So he doesn't have those years where he was like three point, you know, two point shares, three point shares a season or whatever that some defensemen would who were playing close to forty. Yeah, like I'm sure if we looked up Chelios's point shares per season at the tail end of his career, they would be very low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had he has phenomenal possession numbers, as you might expect for someone who played on the Devils and especially the Red Wings too who pretty much own oh, the Red yeah, yeah, Wings. The years that he
1: was there like they played that you know that sort of beautiful flowing possession style hockey where it's like yeah. they really don't let the other team have the puck unless they really want to turn it over like if it's not a high grade scoring chance they're just going to hang on to the puck like they were that
0: good. Yeah. I mean like so like almost 58% Corsi four is is elite. Yes. Um and and like probably Completely, <laughs> you know, I'm uh, Rofalski did his part in that, but it has a lot to do with the fact that he didn't play for bad teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was only the last few years. Oh, yeah, sorry, I uh, I said Devils, and you rightly correct me as the Red Wings. It's also only since 2007, so it is the Red Wings. Mm-hmm.
1: And they were phenomenal.
0: Like yeah. Yeah.
1: Like they, if if Lidstrom wasn't hurt, you've got to assume that they win back to back cups, and Pittsburgh doesn't beat them, right? Like
0: a- absolutely, yeah. The other thing I note, I think, of, is interesting to note in his overall career is that he somehow, despite only playing 833 regular season games, he played 165 playoff games. Wow! <laughs> I have never seen anyone do a like ratio of career like regular season to playoff, but I would be wouldn't be surprised if he's way up there yeah. in terms of like like percentage of playoff games to uh, or sorry playoff games as a percentage of your overall career. It must be massive. Oh, because yeah, like yeah. most, I mean, he's not in the top 25, he's like top 40 or something in games played in the playoffs, but he's like, he's not even remotely close to the top 100 in total games, uh, regular season games, right? Like 833 is, is like a career in, in, in the seventies or the sixties. Mm-hmm. It's not a career in, uh, in, in 2011. Yeah. It's uh. But somehow because he, he only ever played for these two very good franchises when they were very good, mm-hmm. he's got like this
1: bonkers number of playoff Yeah, he's he's got a couple of like twenty plus game playoff yep. runs under his belt, you know. That's...
0: I believe he has four. Wow. <laughs> or three, one or the other. Yeah. But so still, right like, there.
1: The, the Red Wings and Devils, if they did get eliminated, they pretty much always made it to round two. Yeah. So you're and and if they were usually a tough out. So you're probably getting a minimum there of like twelve playoff games every single spring.
0: Then it adds up pretty quickly, you know? Um three uh five uh five finals he was in. Wow. Uh 2000, 2001, um, two thousand three, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So that'll do it. So yeah. So I mean that that's where it that, that comes from, but like like, the odds of someone playing only 833 games regular season and then being in five Stanley Cup championship finals is low. Yeah. Um, adjusted numbers don't make much of a difference on his career because he played, you know, some dead puck time and then he went and played in a more wide open era. It doesn't really... It makes him look slightly better, but yeah. not much. Yeah. Um, he was considered a uh, pretty good defenseman by defensive point shares. He was top five four times uh, and top ten six times, but he never got any top five Norris votes, mm-hmm. presumably because he was playing next to Lidstrom and, and Niedermeyer. Yeah, and so people
1: are like, oh, well, he's not going to get a Norris vote. His partner's going to get the Norris vote.
0: <laughs> yeah, like he he, yeah. he got Norris votes, but they were like, they're sort of like, I, mean, I didn't see whether like he ever got first place Norris votes, but yeah. like his Norris votes were always like you know well we've already, we've picked all our number one defensemen we want to give Norris votes to let's give them to him too right like so yeah. his top finish I think he was he was ninth in Norris Trophy voting three times okay so um and I don't know like uh, let's see the year. 2009 it looks like that was the year he was like the considered the best by voters because he also got more all-star votes that year. That's the other thing about him. He he um isn't is a guy who got a lot of voting recognition, which is another reason why we might want to think hard about those stats and say he's the second best defenseman of his era cuz he got an all-rookie vote, but he he never got any other end-of-season um like first team or second team awards, and he only ever got two All Star Game appearances.
1: Yeah, well, you you were saying that you know his, um, you know his he he was voted three times ninth in Norris voting, and that's kind of about where I would have put him. Like think if I think back about that era, I'm yeah. like there were a lot of better defensemen than him. You know, you've got your Pronger, yeah. you've got your Niedermeyer, you've got, uh, um. Lidstrom, obviously, uh, you know, you like you, you can start to add up how many defenses are really better chara. Um, so he wasn't quite the in the early 2000s. He wasn't the beast that he became, but like in by 2006, 2007,
0: he was definitely elite. Um, so 2009, uh, yeah. when when he one of the three years he finished ninth and he was actually tied with Scott Nienemeyer for ninth. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, they were on different teams at that point. Yeah. He got one first place vote which places Tim in terms of first place votes fourth after Chara, Mike green and Lidstrom. Okay. And yeah. He got no second place and no third place vote. So, you know, it was a Detroit writer who gave him a first place vote. You would think, right. <laughs> and then, and then all his votes were for fourth and fifth, essentially. So like, he really was like the sort of, you had, you had a uh, five names on the ballot and people were just like, there were a bunch of people in the league who were like, well, what the fuck we'll put, He's not going to win, but he deserves a recognition. So let's put Rafalski on fourth or fifth. Mm -hmm. That gives you an idea. I think a a much fairer idea of like what people thought of him than, uh, than the point shares, (laughs) which point, point to him as like phenomenal. Yeah. You know,
1: (laughs) well, you, you know, you had, you had guys who were great defensemen on teams that just weren't quite you know they couldn't they couldn't hold the candle to how good Detroit was at that point, you know. Yeah. You get like guys like um, you know uh, Suter and Weber down in Nashville at that time were really starting to come into their own. Um, he, even a guy like Francois Beauchemin who you know sort of did the same thing, played with a couple of Hall of Famers when he, they had yeah. that three headed monster in Anaheim. You're like, yeah. he was a he was a pretty darn good defenseman in his own right. But he wouldn't get any. He wouldn't like. He was sort of an unsung hero because he was always on the ice with either Pronger and Edermeyer. So yeah, it makes him look better than he might actually be. You know.
0: And um, then when he got when he got to Toronto and he didn't have those guys to, you know, eat the minutes, and he was called upon to do what essentially they did. He he, I think some people here would say he did terribly. I disagree with that, but he was definitely. Exposed as not just like Fanuf when Fanuf came here, same thing, yeah. you know, uh, or, or not or quite as good as he looked when yeah. when he was in a better situation.
1: Yeah, or or Comisaric too. Remember he played with yeah. Markov in yeah. Montreal and everybody thought he was, yeah. he was a pretty high pick as well. And people are like, that guy's going to be great. And he's tough. And it's just like, yeah, but if you take him away from that guy who like kind of drives the possession, all yeah. of a sudden it's like, yeah, maybe he's not as good as we thought. He's just smart enough or good enough to play with a really good player and complement that player extremely well which is yeah. a valuable a valuable contribution and a valuable skill to have yeah. i think it's kind of the same it's kind of what we were saying about gary souter right just yeah. like he's really good at playing with an awesome other pairing defenseman he's not going to make the mistake that leads to a goal And he's going to allow that guy to have the confidence to make that move at the blue line because he knows, you know, uh, Gary's back there. It's going to be fine. That's how I think of Francois Beauchemin. Rafalski, probably to a lesser extent because I think he had a bit more offensive skill, but same kind of deal. Like, he's out there, and if he plays with that guy, he's, you know, he's part of that two-headed monster that's just like a number one pairing.
0: Well, it was a three-headed when Scott Stevens was still there.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, no, and yet Stevens was good pretty much right to the end until he retired. So,
0: yeah. So, I, I, I completely agree, and I think that had had Rafalski found himself as the number one defenseman on, I don't know, the Flames or like the Avalanche or who knows. Like, I'm trying to th- maybe not the Avalanche because Blake was still around. But anyway, a team where he was the number one guy. Yeah. Um. Did, for did a he while,
1: play a season without Lidstrom. At the end?
0: I don't believe so. Lidstrom, I think, retired either the same year or a year later. A couple okay. of years later, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cause oh. like the la- Rafalski's last year is the last year when Lidstrom got that stupid career, Norris.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 When he was minus three. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Like Rafalski always found himself in great situations. And listen, there's no, that's not to like discredit the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should do that. You know, like you should, I, I'm very much of the opinion of instead of being like highly paid star of a shitty team that like you probably want for both your mental own mental health and for everyone to remember (laughs) you better. You want to be a good player on a great team rather than the best player on like mediocrity or worse. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm also not competitive, (laughs) so (laughs) maybe I'm wrong about that, but, uh, I, I do feel like had Rufalski, like been put in a situation, uh, like Boshman or Faneuf or, Com- uh, well, not so much Komas or like, uh, who else? Gonchar, um, who we're talking about got put in, you know, no, Gonchar did pretty well for himself, but like, I feel like Rufalski's, you know, numbers might've been affected a little bit by, by that for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause we never saw him now that on the contrary, he was signed out of SM Liga, which is... Is SM um, Liga Finnish? Yes, SM Liga's Finnish, yeah. He was signed out of SM Liga as a free agent, not drafted, because he won their MVP award in 1999, which mm-hmm. is the year before he was signed. And he had already won their 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 version of the Norris once before, and he won it that year, too. Wow. So he was. I
1: didn't. Even by, know I didn't even got him.
0: Like yeah, the, the Devils done. found him because he was an American playing in Finland, and he was the best player in the Finnish league. Man, um, which is why the Devils got him. And he was also at uh, one year he was the defenseman of the year in college. So this was like the fact that he slipped by people. It must have been his size, right? Had to have been, yeah. What was he five five ten five eleven five, five ten five ten. Yeah. And and one seventy uh, sorry eighty seven kilograms does not sound like that big to me.
1: No, it's not very big.
0: <laughs> I really I grew up in a metric country, but I still do my weight in pounds, and I can't explain it.
1: Yeah, no, the same thing with height, right? It's just yeah, it's the way we've always
0: done it. Yeah. Um. So, you know, he he, in a lower quality league, he was an absolute star. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what he would have been by himself here. Yeah, but he was an absolute star. I mean, he won the he, he's a defenseman and he won the NBA. I don't know how many people have won the uh, how many defensemen have won the SM League MVP, but probably usually not. these awards go to forwards. Yeah, so he must have had a pretty good season that year. Anyway, just worth interesting fact. I didn't know that actually. I didn't know why Ravalski had been signed and in doing the research. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> <laughs> the MVP of the Finnish Elite League. Amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, unlike, uh, Gary Suter, who we talked about last week, uh, he had, uh, had phenomenal, as we've already talked about, NHL playoff success, Mm -hmm. somehow featuring in five finals in the course of
1: 11 year career. That's pretty
0: impressive. In in a 30 team league, right? Like it's not like he had an 11 year career when there were 12 teams in the league or something, 30 teams. And he, so he was uh but he was never a number one defenseman on any of those teams, whether they won the Cup or not he was usually top well he's top two on two of them and top th- four on or top the third the third guy mm-hmm. on uh, three of them yeah so. um so uh you know top two would have been behind Ninabuer with Niedermeyer and Lindstrom, and then when he was top three, it was uh the year one of his first years in the league when Stevens and Niedermeyer were the top pair mm-hmm. and then uh later. Um, weirdly, Brad Stewart played more in 2009 Ooh. than Ravalsky did.
1: Mm. Brad Stewart was pretty good for a while,
0: yeah, but like I don't remember him being as good as Ravalsky personally. Oh, but I mean, that I don't, I mean, I only watch the Red Wings in the playoffs, yeah, so what do I know? Uh, yeah, but we'd have,
1: to get a, we'd have to get a Detroit fan on here,
0: yeah, but um, yeah, it was, I think. Uh, one other thing is, you know, the, the strategies in the NHL, one of them, there's always a debate between all your eggs in one basket or you, you spread everything around, right? Yeah, exactly. And so rafalski maybe it was necessary to put, because the, the second pairing was weaker, maybe it was necessary to bump rafalski down to the second pair yeah. so that the two pairs were overall better. Like, Stewart can, ha- Stewart, anyone can hang with Lidstrom, <laughs> but Stewart yeah. can hang with Liz- Lidstrom, and then rafalski was picking up Whoever was on, I didn't. I don't. I didn't write down who was on the second pair. Whereas previous years, maybe their their second pair was stronger, and they didn't need to split up Lids from Rufalski. I That's just a guess, but I don't know.
1: I'm I'm trying to figure out if, who the other defensemen were as we speak.
0: Um, well, while you're doing that, yeah, I can also say that. So Rafalski has had some, despite us us saying he's a number two defenseman, he has had some noble moments in his career one of them was being awarded the title of best defenseman at the 2010 olympics really i don't remember that either
1: well i, I know he was a really important player for that team USA say yeah. that you know almost beat canada um,
0: yeah terrifyingly um, yeah Now, i i mean i don't the thing about olympics is they don't track minutes yeah and it's those awards are regularly given based on points so I have no idea if he was actually the number one defenseman that year, mm-hmm. but like he was awarded over the Canadian defenseman, he was awarded best defenseman. It's just something to note. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking at their
1: defense core right now, and like, you know, Brad Brad Stewart, uh, Jonathan Erickson, uh, Brett Lebda,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a Derek sign,
1: <laughs> Derek Meach, uh, Andreas Lilia. Uh, Yeah, Doug Danik. And uh, there was another name I saw that uh, and Jakob Kindle played three games for them. I mean, like that defense core after, you know, Brad Stewart and Jonathan Erickson are fine, like, you know, solid top four defensemen, or at least in that era, they must have been. But I think it just speaks volumes to how good uh,
0: Lidstrom and Rafalski must have
1: been.
0: Well, you also get some idea if you look up the ice time, right? Like Mm -hmm. Lidstrom's that. So this is 2009, right? Yeah. Lidstrom's playing nearly 26 minutes. He's at, he's 38. Wow. Uh Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Rafalski was playing with Cronwall. Oh,
1: well, Cronwall. Oh, there he is. I missed him. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Cronwall was really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it looks like anyway, based on the minutes.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's, that, that makes more sense. That's like a pretty legitimate top four. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but, yeah.
1: but I think you wouldn't want Cronwall and Stewart together because they kind of do the same thing. Also,
0: right? well, here here's the other thing is that I'm basing this off of average time on ice. It's entirely mm-hmm. possible that was actually playing with Liz from still, but you know, okay, power sure play is. time and penalty kill time. Yeah, who knows? I, I don't yeah. remember that series well enough. It was almost 10 years ago. Yeah, I think um, I think I hit I had just come back from Japan, but I remember
1: watching the final, but I didn't watch Detroit. I watched
0: Fire. I watched it, but I don't remember I'm um, my memory is not amazing and I don't yeah. remember the pairings anymore. Like I I that, would have had that, to like go ahead. That final will come up
1: again when we talk about Chris Osgood, or as <laughs> I like to call him, Chris Osbad, because I do yeah. remember that game seven really, really well. Yeah. And I remember Max Talbot scored those two goals on him, which which I called, by the way. We were sitting around like, who's going to score the game winner? Everybody's like, Crosby, Lidstrom, blah, blah. I'm like, Max Talbot. They're like, seriously? I'm like, yep, I got a feeling. He was, you know, in, in that first round that year, he was the guy who went and fought uh, Dan Carcillo. The oh, okay. penguins were down in that game, and just like they're like, everybody in the Penguins' bench like looked at each other. I think Crosby even said it right after the game. He's like, "We saw Max go and fight that guy to try to turn the tide of the game. We're like, we have to go win this. That guy was good. He's gonna go through a wall to try to win this series. We gotta go do it." And they won that game. And uh, so okay. I, I sort of remembered that in the back of my head, and I'm like, "Yeah." And then of course Osgood gave him half the net on the second goal. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> but I I uh, I don't like the pairings for me. I mean. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, I don't remember at all. No, I have no idea.
1: I, I think the only way you would know that is if you were a Red Wings
0: fan and you were really, yeah, 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 exactly. Players. Like your, your own team, you remember who plays with because you watch them all year. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, you know, as I've said many times on the show, I've become more of a basketball fan in the last specifically five years. And, yes. uh, well, it's cause I, it's actually, it's, uh, slightly less than that. It'll be like, before your anniversary of the thing that really broke me this summer, I think um, <laughs> that would, that would be the David Clarkson signing in case anyone's curious. Anyway, all I was going to say is like, I, I, I know Raptors lineups, you know, yeah. that, that are better than other lineups. And mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know other teams lineups that are good. Yeah. Because I don't team. watch every right. game. Right. So it's the same thing with the Leafs. When I was watching every game of the Leafs, I knew who played with who. And when I turned on the game and like the lines or the pairings were different, I was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. You know, why are McCabe and Calvary not playing together or whatever? And, and, you know, but I, I mean, for Detroit, I don't know. I mean, I watched them in the playoffs and I'm sure I noted the pairings at the time. I have no idea.
1: Yeah it's it's one of those things too like if you have the time to pay attention to it and you have nhl center ice and you can watch every game you probably would know who plays together on most teams yeah, but, yeah. you know you have a job and uh, an actual life outside of yeah, hockey yeah. <laughs> kind of complicates things
0: I, absolutely so um i'm i i liked rovalski when he played and i think he has quite a nice resume but i'm definitely an absolute no for him i don't know about you
1: i'm i'm uh i'm I'm a little bit closer to it because he has the big accomplishments on his resume. I'm willing to like entertain the discussion, but I'm I'm still going to try to say no. It's just like, if somebody was like a big Rafalski fan and tried to convince me of it, I would sit and have a listen. Like, I don't think, and again, that's, I have to frame that with that's based on who's already in the hall, not who I think should be in the hall. Like if it's, yeah, if it was my hall of fame there's no way he gets even close right like yeah. mine would be strictly elite players
0: well last but episode you said about gary Suter, i don't think a number 2 defenseman should be in the hall of fame
1: yeah and Andrew says
0: he's a perfect number 2 generally agree with you yeah. about that and so i i i think that, that that's a good like litmus test right mm-hmm. yeah. did he ever play number 1 I mean, and then you get someone like Gonchar, where you're like, well, he did, and he did it effectively because he was on, a number one on some cup finalists and yeah. winners. And, and so I, and then you're like, well, Gonchar maybe you know, but yeah, yeah, but Rafalski, even though I think maybe you know, Rafalski might have been a more solid all around player than some other guys. Mm-hmm. I he never he was never a number one defenseman, and yeah. and he was very good, and I I quite liked watching him play. I I remember him like being one of those guys who looked when I watched him anyway, it felt like he was one of those guys who never made mistakes
1: Yeah,
0: or very rarely. Mm -hmm. And was just really like smooth and, and, and calm. And, you know, I, I enjoyed watching him play, but like, and I, I, I was glad to learn. I did not know that he was the number one defenseman, according to writers at the Olympics in 2010, even though I watched those Olympics, I did not know that. And I didn't know he won the Finnish elite league MVP, but, and that's cool. Maybe that's,
1: maybe that's the case somebody could make too, though. Is like yeah he was at those olympics and away from you know his his d partners were starring on their own olympic teams yeah and he was the best defenseman somebody yeah. could try to point to that and say like look when he was away from them he was great or maybe if they're there, there's points, a really easy like, response to that i know of course small sample size sample size yeah and then somebody might point to like if he if he ate big minutes when Lidstrom was out of the lineup during uh, the 2009 Cup run, which I don't remember. I just know he got hurt yeah. and had a really like, I think he ended up, play- I think he ended up pretty much playing through it anyways, even though I think he had, uh, I-, I think it's hard to, I-, I heard two different versions of that, can... that it was a sports hernia or he yeah. basically got uh, hitting the ball so hard that he basically couldn't play for a week, but he played through it anyways. But yeah, he, he, missed, was he only a- missed two games. Well, he only missed two. Okay, so they're yeah, yeah. a tiny sample size again, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like in those two games, he, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he he lost them. So, because of missing those two games, Brad Stewart technically, like Brad Stewart, played more time on ice over the entire thing. But he played two more um, games, mm-hmm. and he only played 16 more minutes total okay. yeah. than Lidstrom because Lidstrom missed two games, right? Whereas Lidstrom made that up. Lidstrom was playing a full minute and a half more per game than Stewart was. Wow,
1: and well, and that's probably Lidstrom at like reduced ability because he was still hurting, you
0: know. So. missed uh five games. Wow, that yeah. year, which I didn't remember. Um, but like his his average is lower. Also, because we have to assume he was playing on the the lower pair, or he just got no either no power play time, which is hard to believe given the points he put up or no penalty kill time, which yeah. I don't know. doesn't make sense to me either. Anyway, so we're both a nay.
1: Yeah. I think
0: All right. That's pretty scary. So these, these are some really controversial. This is the thing. The unifying feature of this episode is that there are no controversial <laughs> players. As you'll see, I don't know how much you know about Boucher, but when we get to Boucher, you will see. Um, so Scott Nienermeyer is our next player. Um, famously at one point, I think safe to say considered by some people, at least to be the best defenseman other than Nicholas Lidstrom, in the NHL. And right?
1: I, I think you could have made an argument at certain points that maybe he was, you know, they were dead even sort of thing, you know? Depending. Wow. Wow. I, I'm, I'm a big Scott Niedermeyer fan.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, no, I, I I just, I am not sure I'd ever heard anyone say that before, which is, I'm not saying it's not true. I just not sure I'd ever heard that before. Yeah. I do remember, I have one memory, and, and this is jumping the gun a little bit, but I do remember um, in 2010, like um, sports writers losing their minds over him at the mm-hmm. Olympics. Yeah. And me being like, I think he's the third best defenseman on the team. Why is everyone going crazy? He was quite, you know, that was his last year. Yeah. They and I was, I was kind of mystified because I felt – and I know I know his game has declined, but I felt in 2010 Shea Weber was far and away the best defenseman on the on Team Canada. Now I think he had a very in good favorable. 2010, pairing.
1: I would actually I think I would actually argue that uh, Keith and Doughty were
0: uh,
1: fair enough because Doughty was, was
0: excellent as well. And I didn't remember Keith as much, but Doughty was oh, phenomenal. To me,
1: to me, it was those three right there. It was uh, I think at one point during the gold medal game there were about well four or five shifts in a row. Where it was like those three guys were pretty much the only defenseman playing anymore. They they, which, wouldn't, which they wouldn't put Pronger and in, in 2010.
0: So yeah, uh, but Doughty, Keith, and who? And Weber. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I remember well, too. Those three I remember
1: guys were on the ice all the time. And that, yeah. that I remember Weber game.
0: like yeah. controlling entire like Weber turned into Chris like t- 2006 Chris Pronger. Yeah, I thought in the 2010 Olympics, and, and I was just like. Three- like Palm of a shot yeah
1: to i was just
0: like where the fuck did this guy come from because i didn't really i wasn't fully aware of like i never watched predators games right and to, to uh that
1: was my introduction to how damn good drew Doughty was because he was like yeah. pulling spin moves at the blue line and keeping the yeah. pocket. i'm like i already knew how good keith was because as a canucks fan i had to play yeah, against, yeah i had to play against the blackhawks all the time and it drove me crazy how good he was like, my brother and I used to say, like, uh-oh, like, it's there's five minutes left in the third period. I think he's going to press the Duncan Keith button, and we won't be able to do anything against him anymore. And sure enough, like, oh, God, Keith. Okay. You know, somebody's going to beat him to that puck. No, they're not. <laughs> Don't worry, I, get there. Yeah. I
0: bring it up just to say that, like, I think by that point, Niedermeyer, much like Lidstrom was when he won the Norris in 2011, Niedermeyer was getting by a little bit by legacy. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, right. like... That's not to disparage his career in any way, but like I just remember like every it felt like every break, intermission break, they would talk about the greatness of Scott Maine and I was like, that is not what I'm watching right now. I'm yeah. watching other Canadian defensemen outplay him.
1: Absolutely, and I think it's just having those young legs.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, he was old, and he, he was out of shape. He wasn't playing full seasons by that point, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think they made such a big deal about him too. Is don't forget he's he's
1: from BC, right? And the Olympics were yeah, that.
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, and that's for not sure. something I thought about at the time. But you're absolutely right about that. And like that I, season, I think, I
1: he was still on the ice in overtime when it was four on four because he's still he was still such a good skater. Yeah, but uh, but I definitely distinctly remember when the going was getting tough in that in that gold medal game that. It was, you know, Doughty and Keith and Weber that were always out there. Those three guys were really I, the, the difference makers, I thought.
0: I felt nervous when you Nina know, Ryan was on the ice in that series. You know, in, in the overtime
1: for... I kind of did, but I was pretty much, yeah. you know, nervous for the And I world.
0: didn't feel that way about those other players. Yeah. Like, I was like, I agree with you. Like, anyway, we're way off track, but I just, <laughs> I just brought that up because, like, it was, it's always sort of stuck in the back of my mind. It was one of those times where I felt like the commentators and I were watching different sports or different mm-hmm. games where i was yeah. just like are we watching the same thing because to me the best player is this guy not this guy exactly. anyway so niedermeyer um despite playing for the devils most of his career is uh the 22nd uh highest scoring defenseman all time mm. which, which is impressive it's very is impressive really given awesome. how little the devils focus on offense oh man he they was, tried
1: to win every game one yeah. nothing or two one like that was and great. he was
0: only on he was only on the ducks for the last five seasons of his career right and he played what, did I, what I didn't say it 18 seasons so um he you know most of that he racked up playing for the devils which just goes to show you how important he was for the devils who didn't mm-hmm. score a lot um he's also 12th all-time in defensive point shares if you put any stock in that that makes him the 12th best defensive defenseman ever but as we always say, keep in mind, those are not per game. That's total. You have to play a long time. He played, he played 400 more games than Rahulski did. Wow. To give you an idea how long he played. Also two minutes more, two and a half minutes more per game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also 19th all time in offensive point shares among defensemen. And he's 15th all time in point shares. So these put him as anywhere between top 12 and top 20 defensemen in history. Um, of course, point shares are cumulative but still uh if you can take if you can put any stock in point shares it says he's roughly the 15th best defenseman in in NHL history um which to some people may feel low um it also you know he he did he could have played longer probably yeah so we should talk about his draft his
1: draft was phenomenal. It was the Eric Lindros draft uh, in 1991. So Lindros one, Niedermeyer three. God um, damn it.
0: We have to talk about this, don't
1: we? <laughs> yes, we do. Um, Peter. Forsberg, I just suddenly,
0: I just suddenly remembered who was supposed to be picking third. Yeah. Which is the Maple
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That one stings. Um,
1: yeah. Peter Forsberg, number six. Yeah. Um, you got some other good players in there. Um
0: Marcus Naslin.
1: Marcus Naslin and Alexei Kovalev taking 15 16. Ziggy Palfy. Um, Ziggy Palfy, yeah. Um, you've got some some other uh, all stars. Uh, Marty Rachinsky, Glenn Murray, Brian Rolston. Ray still Whitney. was okay for a while. Um, Joseph Stumple. Yep. Joseph Stumple. You got Ray Whitney San- and Sandis Ozalinch. O- Ozalinch was really, really good for, uh, I think, too short of a time for him yeah. to. Get Hall no. of Fame consideration, but there there were a few years there where he was probably the best purely offensive defenseman in the league. Like he yeah, made, yeah. he got so many points, and especially it was, in that era where it was like impossible to pick up points, he was, it was really a
0: really good. good draft. Yeah, it was a really good draft. Yeah, if you sort by points, yeah, you. Um, there's only two thousand point scorers because mm-hmm. everyone else was injured all the damn time.
1: Yeah, but like,
0: <laughs> um, there are some guys in here. Like, it's deep. Like, oh, yeah, it's really deep. Brian Savage, who was whatever, you know, no no star by any means. But Brian well, Savage is for like the first
1: 10 games of every year, he would light the league up. <laughs> okay.
0: But he was he's like 20 something in points in this draft. Wow. Like that, you know, that's a deep draft when like really someone is, like yeah. that who was actually an, you know, he scored uh basically half a point per game for his career, yeah. is like 20 something, you know, Martin LaPointe, Steve Connor Marius Tchaikovsky, Dean McCammond, Alexey Zitnik. This is a deep draft. It really is. Igor Kravchuk.
1: Uh, Osgood was taken in the third round. or Dimitri,
0: right? uh, Dmitry Skiewicz for Leaf fans. Uh-huh. He was very good for the Leafs for a little while. Marius Tchaikovsky. Yep. Um, Sean yeah. Sean O'Donnell.
1: There's a lot of very, very good players in that draft, yeah.
0: Steve Steos. Steve
1: staos Oh, man, I can remember him.
0: <laughs> this is...
1: I, I didn't look guy. at
0: this before. This is like, there's a lot of players. Yeah. This yeah. was a very good, you weren't kidding when you said yeah. it was a good draft. It was oh, yeah. a good was draft. draft. Dmitry Miranov
1: taken in round, uh, round eight. Yeah. Um,
0: but not a lot of goalies, <laughs> just Osgood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the just, next one is Jamie McLennan and Steve Shields.
1: Oh man. Steve Shields was really good for a while.
0: <laughs> he didn't play much though. No, I like, know he had that like
1: one or two good years in Buffalo, and then he fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. They anyway. Brian, Brian Holzinger was in that draft. Yeah, it was deep. Like there, a lot of those guys made the NHL. Like in and, and had good long, like decade-ish long careers. You know, Bill Lindsay was there. Um, yeah, it's really
0: impressive. If you if you cut off like you counted all the players who played hundred games in the NHL from that draft, we're talking about. It looks like it's like seventy players or something like that which That's is really a lot, yeah. 50 or so. I know it's hard to tell because I'm scrolling, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of players. Absolutely. Of
1: There's some guys who you would consider like journeymen or yeah, yeah. guys happen. You know, Aaron Ward was taken fifth overall, unbelievably, but he had a very long and successful career. Um, Richard Matvachuk played for a long time. Yeah, it mean, was, was wasn't
0: bad for a little while. He really wasn't. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. uh, he was an important
1: defenseman in Dallas. Yeah, really, yeah, absolutely.
0: Really, um. Yeah, it's interesting because we we were talking about I think it was eighty one mm-hmm. last episode with Chelios and like the drop off was pretty fast, right? Yeah, it was quick. Yeah. And and this is like completely different. Like it's like there's just so many like serviceable NHL players, and it it's mm-hmm. bonkers. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I never really. I never uh, looked at this one before. I don't think. I think just for whatever reason, the players we've talked about.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about Lindros and Forsberg, but I mean,
0: but that's it. Yeah, and and maybe we didn't spend that draft was. Yeah, yeah, much time on the draft, but but like, it's uh, yeah, it's really really deep. Um, and and contextualizing where Niedermeyer is is hard because, you know, there's some very good players in it. There's also lots of okay Mm -hmm. players, but I I mean,
1: mean, if if you look at the top. You know, the draft now is top 30 or 31. Yeah. So if we take a look at the top 31 players, there were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 of them made the All Star game at some point in their career. Wow. That's that's really impressive. Like yeah. that's, you won't find that in too many drafts, I don't think.
0: Mm. No, that could be a record. I mean, I don't know that it is, but it could I, be. I
1: don't know that it, it might not be quite that legendary uh, 2000, I think it's the 2004 class. When okay. and Malkin went one, too, oh, one yeah, two. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. Carter yeah,
1: Carter and Kessler and yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. maybe that yeah. one. But other
0: than that, I think yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's very it's impressive. I mean, I had no, I did not remember this at all. It's it's crazy. And to, uh, I mean, to be, to be fair, you were
1: ten. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I
0: know. But like when we looked at it, like that, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Neymar is far and away the best defenseman out of the draft. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. the next closest are like, like you mentioned, Aaron Ward, Matt Pachuk, Philip Boucher. Um, so I, I'd
1: probably say Ozilinch was the second best.
0: Oh, yeah, Ozilinch, of course. Yeah. Sorry, I was yeah. going uh, he headed...
1: lived, of that kind of player. He was very, very good for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. But um, but the thing is, Lindros and Forsberg were also in the draft. So saying Niedermeyer, like, I. I... <sighs> I have no idea. How do you come? I have such a hard time comparing forwards and defensemen. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I am too much of a Forsberg fan to like Grant oh. <laughs> that he might not be the best player in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna not gonna say anything else about that. Um, so let's move on to his era. Uh, for whatever reason, not a lot of defensemen played as much as he did between 91 and 2010. So we did we did it with. Um, skaters and uh basically by point shares nina meyer is the best second best skater of that time the first best being Lidstrom. shock (laughs)
1: um
0: but even though he is a defenseman he was uh you know he wasn't dead last in of those eight skaters whoever they i don't remember who they were um he wasn't dead last in uh Anything he was seventh, which second last in goals and points, but sixth in assists and assists per game. But I mean, it's really hard to talk about that when you've got forwards in there as well, right? Because they're going to dominate the offensive categories. Um, his uh, his age game average is slightly less impressive than Rafalski's but he also played way longer, right? 400 more games, which is uh, what is that? That is essentially five seasons more right yeah so uh, 48 points per 82 which is fine for someone who played a good chunk of his career in the Deb puck era um, is his three-year peak which was when he was on mostly on the ducks well mm-hmm. ducks and devils is much better at 63 points and he was playing 26 and a half minutes a game so you know important. Yes. His Corsi is also way worse than, uh, than Rafalski's. And uh, that's, again, both a product of the fact that Niedermeyer was um, older mm-hmm. when they started tracking Corsi uh, possession stats. But also, uh, I think it's safe to say that like those Ducks teams he was on at the end there were a little more inconsistent than, uh, than the Devils teams he was on for most of his career. Yeah. You know, they did win a cup, but they also were not, you know, as good. They
1: sort of hit their peak right then. They had a lot of veterans on that team.
0: hmm Yeah. And once people started retiring, including Niedermeyer himself for half a season in yeah. 2007, 2008, which he should, like, I still think he should have retired after the cup. But anyway, I mean, not that it hurt his legacy in any way, but yeah. I mean, he's minus post-cup. His post-cup seasons, he's minus 19. Whoa. Now wow. that is the devils or it the devils. That is the ducks. Yeah. You no. Know?
1: Yeah. But, they, when they won that cup, they then fell off a cliff. Like, cause yeah. Solani, Solani retired. They ended up having to trade uh, pronger. I yeah. mean, yeah. It's,
0: but I, I do feel like, you know, what better time? Yes. You're only 33, but like what better time to retire?
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not I, that like, Go he ahead. did
1: go win another gold medal. So I think maybe yeah. that he can hang his hat on that one, especially I think the only reason he kept playing is because he knew the Olympics were in Vancouver and he wanted oh, to do there. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good I, reason. I, it really is. Yeah. I, if it wasn't for the Olympics being in Vancouver, I think he would have retired after he, you know, it would have been his last moment would have been passing the cup to his brother <laughs> being yeah. like, we won the cup together. It's my, you know, anyone
0: that comes my time, thing. but
1: yeah. you know, this is new for you. Here you go. Um, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And that was, that was also sort of the didn't take like Rob Niedermeyer didn't have very much time after that, where he was still really effective either. Like they, they had a lot of hard miles on them. Yeah. Uh, I think that whole team did. They, they, they sort of, I think they sort of knew they had to win it that year or they weren't going to be very good for much longer. Um, even even though pronger still was great up until, you know, he basically dragged the flyers to, uh,
0: yeah. In 2010. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
1: they were, they were all started getting a little bit long in the tooth to be doing that every year.
0: Um, yeah i mean yeah i mean and it's stupid for me to say this too because like what have i ever done um <laughs> well, but, do it anyway. yeah yeah i mean like it's it's as a as a guy in a chair who who whose biggest athletic achievements include climbing small mountain you know very small mountains and skiing <laughs> down them um and and swimming long distances that are not very long um, You know, I, I shouldn't judge, but I've always there's something romantic to me about retiring when you win.
1: Yep, yeah, me too. Well, I'm a huge, huge Broncos fan and John Elway fan and yeah. he rode off into the sunset after yeah. two. And I was I was actually still a little miffed. I'm like, I bet you if he comes back, we can win three. Yeah, um, but I don't think that would have worked out because Terrell Davis got hurt. <laughs> so he, I think he made the right choice he went out on top which was pretty yeah. awesome considering that his whole career people were like can't win the big one can't win it and then he yeah. finally, he's like I'm going to ride off into the sunset right now this is
0: yeah it. and I always when, when Nino Martin came back I, there was a part of me that was like you missed that opportunity but you're right he won a gold medal mm-hmm. again Yeah, and and you know hometown, right I mean, in his hometown and like I can't imagine what that's like yeah so it's pretty special, yeah. And he, yeah,
1: he retired not very long after that, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, <laughs> he he of course he won a Norris shock, all mm-hmm. well, shocks, but he was only top five in Norris voting another three three times, which is lower yeah. than I thought. Yeah, I I'm surprised given the general love towards him, mm-hmm. and I, I don't I, mean that I, in a negative it's way.
1: The product of people saying, well, he plays with Stevens, and they're yeah. sort of, you know, and they're both and, good, so. Well, yeah. here's the
0: other thing is like Stevens is very much a like nineties defenseman, right? Well, his his the latter part of his career he adjusted, right? He was a very much an eighties offensive defenseman, and then he changed his style and he became that like wrecking crew, which now he would get suspended for. But that's oh, yeah. another story.
1: I, I but, you know when I think he was that good that he probably would have adjusted to that and found a different yeah, way to intimidate people.
0: Entirely possible. Yeah. Niedermeyer strikes me as much more of a like, like he would have really thrived right now. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Like he was, he was ahead of his time. Definitely. And I think that he, you know, the people who would have like in the early days, like it took him until 1998 to get a Norris vote. Wow. I don't, because the league is awful and they didn't track ice time. I have no idea whether he was playing, second most minutes on the team to Stevens, or third, or who knows what. But, because, you know, thanks NHL. But, (laughs) um, he, I think you're right. I think he, his style was of a certain way that was, like, considered risky in the 90s.
1: Mm.
0: And, And he wasn't. I mean, he was on this ridiculous defensive team that was really sound, and he was always very sound. But the way he skated, like, I just feel like he was ahead of his time and that at least one explanation for the lack of top five Norris voting would be, you know, it was sort of a consensus later in his career how good he was. If you look at the Norris votes, he was top five in 1999. He didn't have another top five finish until he won it, which was uh, five years later. Oh, my. Sorry, six years. Six years? Six years later. He won, sort top five in 98. My apologies. So... Some of that is he matured and I think some of that is just the audience matured maybe, you know, and like, and like you said, also, they were constantly like Stevens, this Stevens, that, and that was true to an extent, but.
1: (laughs) I, I, I think probably if, you know, if Lidstrom's not there, he probably wins a few more, you would have to assume, right?
0: Well, definitely in, in 2006. Where he came in second to, I believe, Lidstrom. If, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, yes. By, like, he got demolished in the voting um, because Lidstrom somehow had 124 first place votes. Holy shnikes! And and no and five seconds, no thirds, no fourths, no fifths. So, um, oh, sorry, that's not the. Sorry, he had 91 first place votes. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong award. <laughs> um, anyway, he still won. He still won eighty nine percent of the vote, so it's impressive. Um, yes, you are absolutely right. Had Lizrum not existed, Niederreiter would have won a second Norris because yeah. he finished second twice. There you go. So. Yeah, but it's still so weird to me that he only he was only uh, top five four times. Like that's, yeah. seems odd. Um, point hockey point shares I've
1: had a bit of. I, I'm sure Devils fans have probably. Uh, agree with this. I, I think a lot of people really hated New Jersey and sort of blamed them for the yeah. way the game became. So I think so. they just didn't get any credit whatsoever. People really did not like the Devils. Like when when they every year they won, people were like, "Oh, great! More teams are going to start playing the trap because it works." Yeah. It's like, well, you didn't seem so mad when the Dallas did it. <laughs> they yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They did it too. Yeah, and the Devils were just better at them at it when they when they beat them.
0: <laughs> um. I mean, hockey point shares say he was the best defenseman twice, not just once. I mean, again, you know, it that's a that's sketchy, but like still, mm-hmm. like it, it suggests that uh, he probably should have, you know, and like he maybe should have had a, a little more acknowledgement than he did. But he did he get a I feel like he got a lot of good press, especially near the end of his career. Yeah,
1: I think after the he won that yeah Like, you know, a Niedermeyer Appreciation Society where people are like, he's going to be gone soon, and we kind of didn't realize how great he was. And now that we do know, it's like he's he's not as great as he once was, but we should appreciate him while he's still here skating around and winning everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, There is... uh, I mean, I don't know that there's much controversy. There's slight... um, controversy you could say with the cons pronger played less minutes because he missed two games but he played more minutes per game and he scored more Mm -hmm. in that in those playoffs than Niedermeyer did now some people argue and I'm not saying this is wrong that like a part of value is is just playing you know like if you miss games you you lose Mm -hmm. you just it's not your fault, but you still, you haven't played as much. And Niedermeyer played the whole, the entire playoff that year. And Chris Pronger didn't.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I would argue that Pronger's elbow, I can't remember who he elbowed in the head. Cause I, I was in Japan at the time. So I, I don't remember that final particularly well, but uh, I, I just remember him getting suspended for elbowing someone in the head. And it was like, yeah, I think he's success. He successfully intimidated the entire other team with that.
0: Well, ch- and, and there you go. And that, and yeah. and the difference between injury and and suspension would be that like you you earned the suspension, whereas the injury you didn't earn. Mm-hmm. Um, just just I'm just bringing up the fact that Pronger outscored him. Yeah. In two less games, and I'm not saying that like Niedermayer doesn't like. I don't have I have very strong opinions about certain Con Smythe awards. I do not have one about the 2007. Like that's. Yeah. I'm I, fine with Niedermeyer winning it. Um, nice.
1: I would, I, I would, I'm also fine with Niedermeyer winning. I think more accurately, what they should have done is given it to Prongmeyer. with <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. award. Basically. Yeah. Cause they, they were both, both playing
0: half the game.
1: I know. Point. No, no. Well, they, they beat the Canucks that year. And I was, I watched a few of those games from over in Japan and had to, you know, watch a mid afternoon game or an early morning game. And with the time difference and uh, you know, I, I remember talking to uh, our, our mutual friend, Mike, and I was just saying, you know, oh, with Longo, maybe we have a chance. He's like, how are you going to beat them? It's Prongmire. One of them is always on. The yeah, ball. yeah. <laughs> like, they, like they literally never leave the ice and they're so good. And he's like, and then they have Beauchemin out there to like help, like give them some like little bit of Actually, rest. Actually,
0: Beauchemin was playing half the game too.
1: I know. Yeah, it was pretty much three defensemen running that team. I know. It's, and, and us in. We just we couldn't score on them.
0: Beauchemin also missed uh, a game. But his average time on ice is actually higher than Pronger's and Niedermayer's that seat, wow. that year, and wow. that's that's I mean who knows why that is? Um, yeah, probably because he was playing, he was being switched between pairs or something.
1: Yeah, and probably any any game where they had it in the bag, they're like, okay, we're resting these old guys way more. Get out there, both. Yeah, fans. yeah,
0: because yeah, he was he's six years younger than Pronger and seven years younger than Niedermayer. Yeah, yeah, so that
1: would make sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, just just you know stirring the pot there i guess a little bit like i i mean i think you could give it to either of them or like you said do that thing where they did with uh kurt schilling and randy johnson yeah which some people hated when they won the world series which is give them both the uh, the award but like a lot of people really hated that. and they've never done it again probably because they got so much i I, I,
1: I think those guys like they were literally both having both those guys is what made that team great Without both of them, there's no way they win that World Series. So I, I was I totally agree. with that, and I I couldn't pick between them. Yeah, I mean the, the Schilling, I believe, pitched uh, Game Seven, and Johnson came in in relief. It's <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. these guys yeah, are so important. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, of course, uh Neymar has it was present on on many uh good teams. He of course won a Conn Smythe. He also uh, could have easily won the consummate in 2003, which I believe, was that the year Brodeur won it or Stevens won it? Um, hold on. Give me one minute. I uh, uh, 2003 was, oh, Jaguar won it. So the year that right. the last time they gave it to a uh, player from the the losing team, which I mean, I think everyone's fine with the Jaguar one, right? Because like, he yes. like, yep, stood on his head. Nine forty-five save percentage one six two GAA fine, Um, but had you given it to the Devils, yeah, should have won it. Oh Um,
1: yeah, yeah. But I I think their one's fine because that that Ducks team didn't have any business being in the final, except that they were just a wall. Yeah, no,
0: I don't have a problem with it either. I'm just saying, had it had, had we adhered to a tradition of only giving it to the winning team...
1: Yeah, then it would have been Niedermeyer.
0: Niedermeyer would have won it that year, which is worth noting as well. So yeah. not only did he get, win it in 2007, he could have easily won it in 2003 had the voting conventions been different. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was, uh, he was the best defenseman on multiple, uh, you know, uh, Western or Western Western and Eastern conference finalists. Um, And, uh, and was also a, a a top pair defenseman on, on some other good teams. And, you know, he's won the Olympics twice. Um, He, uh, he's won the world cup though. He was less important on that team than he was on the team that lost in 96. He has won a world champion uh, and he's won, of course, a world junior champion. So he has, A lot of hardware. Yeah, didn't he also? He's more than just the triple gold club. It's the quadruple
1: gold club. Olympic, Uh, um,
0: World, World Cup, World Junior.
1: Yeah, and and I believe if and of
0: course uh, I think he won the Memorial Cup as well. He may have. I may have forgotten to mention that. Um, It's entirely possible. Yeah, he's he's won a lot of shit. (laughs) He's he's had a he's had a very good career. They um, should
1: put that on his tombstone when he unfortunately passes one day. Pat Niedermeyer, he won a lot of shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, it's weird. Recently, Hockey Reference seems to have stripped a lot of their, like, playoff, like, non NHL playoff information. Mm-hmm. I don't know maybe it was flawed or something because it used to be that. I, w- I noticed this too when I was looking at. Boucher's, I was trying to find Boucher's Stanley Cup stats because back then the Stanley Cup and the NHL playoffs were different things, and I couldn't I couldn't find it on Hockey Reference, and I was like, what? "It's happening." Um, and and usually they used to have uh, Memorial Cup stats on there, but they don't. So,
1: uh, oh, by they the way, actually they lost the
0: Memorial Cup, and. Um...
1: No, they w- they went to back to back ones. I believe. Oh, and then
0: they won the next one.
1: Won it the second year, and he was the most valuable player of the nineteen ninety two Memorial Cup. All right um, for uh, that Kamloops Blazers team that was
0: pretty Very unreal. Good. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, he's he's slam dunk, right? Like, there's no, I mean, like, there's just not. I I mean, halfway through
1: this, I was about to say, do we need to keep talking about him, or just say slam dunk and we're done? Like,
0: yeah, yeah I mean, we could <laughs> have done Scott that. <laughs> we can yeah. do that right now.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So last up, uh, we have Georges Boucher, uh, Buck Boucher, as I learned like two days ago or something, <laughs> um, who, uh, before we go over his resume, has a claim to be, along with King Clancy, who this is where it gets confusing, the best defenseman of the NHL's first decade and a half. Um, I think we've also talked about Harry Cameron so far, and Harry Cameron had it was the best offensive defenseman Mm-hmm. Um but without film it's hard for us of course to know um who uh who it would be like who was better but uh just as a as a way of delving into the conversation when he retired Boucher was first all-time in hockey references defensive point shares so yeah. um by that metric anyway he was the best defenseman of all time at his retirement um he 16 players had played 300 games by the time he retired and points wise he was a top 10 player um in terms of uh points points per game that kind of thing um, despite being a defenseman so he was also not even though he's got like a we you know we for back then we calculate Averages the season averages a little differently because they played different lengths of seasons, and he began playing by twenty game seasons and finished playing forty four game seasons. His forty four game average is only thirteen points, but he scored a lot less as his career went on. Yeah, uh, that's what the NHL scored a lot less when the NHL first opened up. There was a lot of scoring. There, you know, famously Joe Malone um, scored forty four goals in the first season, and then nobody did that again until, uh, um, Richard. Yeah. So the scoring dropped mm-hmm. pretty significantly and Boucher didn't score much at all in the tail end of his career. Um, but for a while he was scoring plenty. I mean, yeah. he was after all he retired and he was top 10 in points all time. Um, I mean, again, with a qualifier of, of 300 games played, which eliminates like New Zealand owned and show uh Jim Malone and players like that. Yeah. Um he uh oh sorry, I, I screwed that up. He that was that 13 point forty four game average was his peak. He 37 points per 82 games, which is you know, yeah. Somewhat normal for now, but very low for like the eighties or the seventies. <laughs> um his trades are not very exciting. He was traded for a guy that I think I've certainly never heard of. I don't Jay know if you've know. heard of. Him. Yeah. Have you heard of him?
1: I have not heard of Joe Lamb.
0: Yeah. And then he was waived near the end of his career, but he was claimed. So, yeah. you know.
1: They probably just didn't get
0: <laughs> Knowing the, the sport back then, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably what happened. They probably just won't pay.
1: Like, we're not making the playoffs. Let's not pay that guy for the last three games.
0: Yeah. yeah. Joe Lamb actually had a <laughs> decent career. Played 440 games. Nice. Yeah. Scored 29 goals once. Wow. Which is a lot in 44 games. Sure is. Never did anything close to that ever again. That was like right after the trade, too. <laughs> so for, for a second, the Senators were really happy about that trade. And then, <laughs> and then he turned back into a normal player. And they're like, that's good. Um Boucher was also briefly in the NHA at its tail end um, because the NHA didn't record assists until its last couple seasons. He is somehow 25th all time in assists with six, (laughs) but uh, that is just because they didn't record assists. Um, He also was briefly a forward in the NHA before he was converted to a defenseman. So uh, this is where, so the Norris didn't exist so we don't we don't have uh Norris votes we can't look at Norris votes we could look at Hart votes uh I don't know if he I don't think he was ever top five in Hart voting Hart voting was really insane back then they only voted for two people mm. he never got any um so we have to go by something else we'll go by uh we'll go by hockey reference point shares because it's all we have according to them he was the best player for two seasons prior to the existence of the Hart Trophy um and he was a top five player four times and top ten eight times, and uh he was also the best defenseman in the league at least three seasons, according to point shares and and a top ten defenseman ten times. so he was good, yeah, I mean we can you can get really picky and you know you can pull apart defensive point shares and say they're flawed, especially back then when we don't know goal differential. Mm-hmm. but we don't have anything else. I mean, all we have would be, like, if we went and found newspaper clippings or something. And yeah. so, in lieu of that, uh, it's safe to assume, I think, that he was one of the best defensemen of his era, if not the best. Yeah. Um, and had the Norris existed, he would have won it at least once. I think yeah. that's a fair assumption on, on our part, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so, too, yeah.
0: He was also, like, he, he was a strong offensive player. He He was somehow top 10 in goals twice. Wow. because the NHL was weird. Yeah. Um in the 20s. And uh you know, he was top 10 in assists 7 times, which is a lot for yeah. for what was his career length? Uh, 15 years. So half his career. Yeah. You know, so I mean uh, he he didn't do anything in the NHA, but in the NHL he was he was without more knowledge. I think it's really safe to say it's between him and King Glancy. Yeah. Um, and maybe Harry Cameron and Carrie Cameron was older and played less in the NHL and played more in the NHA. The, Mm -hmm. the, the one issue with this is this assertion of, of mine is that, uh, King Clancy and George Boucher were on the same team for a long time. Yeah. So So they, uh, one of them was probably better and bumped the other up. I don't know who that would be. Yeah. We,
1: we have no way of telling just know that they were on
0: incredibly successful teams. You
1: know, they won four cups for the senators.
0: Um, yeah, and based on, I mean, you got to assume based on the award that was named in King Clancy's honor that people at the time thought King Clancy was better, but he also played longer, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, pretty sure he did. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I mean, George Boucher was good.
1: Yes, he was a very good player on some very good teams. Um, you know, was capable, it seems like, offensively and defensively. Yeah, um, managed to switch from forward to playing defense, and was still, you know, a, if not the best player, the second best player probably on his team for a couple a of times. Yeah, and uh, and they they won four cups in seven years, so that's pretty good. A pretty good rate, <laughs> even yeah. for even for back then when there may have only been you know four or five teams. You're still winning yeah. at a pretty regular clip there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me. He's along with like Lalonde and Malone and a few others. He's like as no doubter as we get for the old timers. I mean, he's just he really seems to have been one of the best players of his era. And because the NHL didn't believe in awards Mm -hmm. for the first, you know, what six seasons and then didn't have anything other than the MVP after that for another ridiculously long period of time they introduced the lady bing i feel like maybe in the 30s Mm -hmm. and the norris wasn't introduced until the 50s so there were no way as a recognizing defenseman um i think for someone you know who who basically doesn't have any like you know if you go to hockey reference they have all the big uh they have the awards in the top right corner and they're they're in these little like they're in various colors right and if you look at scott niedemeyer you know, he's got a bunch of different colors, you know, he's got some yellow and some blue and some gray and it looks very impressive. And then you go to George Boucher and he's got hall of fame and yeah. the fact that he won cups. Yeah. And it doesn't really tell you, uh, until you scroll down and look at the point chairs and things like that. And you're like, Holy shit. Yeah. Um, and the, and the cups and, and, uh, the fact that he was, despite being a defenseman, sometimes a leading scorer on some of those cup teams, and and yeah, I think he was uh, he was just uh, it looks like he had a phenomenal career, and and is basically a, a no doubter.
1: Yeah, I would I would have to agree with that. I mean, there's no, there's no, certainly no reason to take him
0: out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to recap, uh, Brian Rafalski, you are uh,
1: a nay. Rafalski for me is a nay um but i'm I'm willing to listen to the argument if uh, somebody wants to buy me a beer and preach <laughs> preach how great Rafalski was i'll listen
0: <laughs> i mean i I really like him I think he's an American hockey Hall of fame yep no, no doubter no better, say, yeah. uh but like i just i i like what you said about Suter last week the last mm-hmm. episode I just feel like
1: yeah number two defenseman number two be
0: defenseman room. shouldn't be in the Hall of fame exactly um unless like and line, there's some kind of it, line, like super extenuating
1: circumstance yeah. or something it's like second line wingers should not be in the hall of fame kind of thing you know
0: yeah yeah and i mean like you know i could i could imagine circumstances and where a guy who never had a chance to play number 1 cuz he you know for some reason or whatever um maybe i could consider if he played for absolutely forever but like revalski didn't and yeah. uh,
1: I, I think I think if Rafalski would have played by himself, in between those two, yeah. he may have proven himself to be with with a bigger sample size than just you know those, the six Olympics or seven games at the Olympics. Other yeah. than that, if he had played one full season without those guys and been phenomenal, he'd be like, yeah, I guess you know maybe he was just yeah, yeah. overshadowed. That would that would, that he would he convince win. me. Yeah, exactly. That'd be
0: enough to win me over for sure. Yeah. Um, because so, I think there's there's players. Who are probably not as good as he was. Who are in the Hall of Fame right now? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I would, I would agree with that too. Yeah, Duke Duff, uh, <laughs> Clark Gillis. Uh Anyway, um, and you you have your own you have your own bugbears that you also feel that way about. Oh, uh, yeah. isn't that your obligatory Mike Gardner mention or not? I, I, I don't particularly have anything against Mike Gartner. I oh, because you to used color. to bring him up all the time, I feel like. Well,
1: it's, it's just because he's the default. Like, like, that's the one name everyone brings up when they say, oh, oh. some guys are the Paul that shouldn't be. I yeah. think it's, it's like a generally accepted, yeah, Mike Gartner, like, he shouldn't be in there. It's like.
0: I actually oh. have a really, I feel like that's absurd, but anyway, that's another story. We, we can talk about him another
1: time. Yes, yes, and I'm, I'm sure we will. The episode where we finally get to him will be a very interesting one, and I'll you know, yeah. it's like, I I, I think for for a guy like Mike Gartner, he's sort of like a Rafalski. Like, if you want to make the argument for him, I will sit and listen, but it doesn't mean you'll convince me. But I yeah. will listen. Yeah. Um, he's at least in the conversation, which, you know, given how, you know, rare it is to be in a hall, hall of Fame or it should be to be in a Hall of Fame, that's, you know, the fact that you can s- argue that you should be in is pretty impressive. It's a really good career. He was a very good hockey player. It's just, you know. I like to have it for like elite players only, sort of. You know, there's a lot of guys that are in now that I would probably have to take out of my own one if I were to set it up. But, you know, again, like you said before, who the hell am I?
0: (laughs) Speaking of people who belong, uh, Scott Niedermeyer. uh, Yeah, me too. I just, I think there's no, like, there's no case against them at all. I can't even think of one. I don't know what that would be. Yeah. Wasn't always Mm -hmm. a number one defenseman. Which is like stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, somebody, that's the only thing I can come up with.
1: If somebody wants to buy me a beer to argue that Scott Niedermeyer should not be in, I will drink the beer in the corner by myself and not listen to you.
0: He's <laughs> <See laughs> in the Hall of Fame. And finally, uh, George Boucher, I sort of feel the same way that you just said about Scott Niedermeyer about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't come up with any reason why I shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. To me, yeah. I don't know unless there's, like, newspaper articles out there preserved from back then that have some information that is not available to us on Hockey Reference and Wikipedia that say something damning, I can't imagine that this guy wasn't one of the two or three best defensemen of the NHL's first decade and a half. And that, to me...
1: From what you can see, looks like he was about... He was, I would say, pretty easily a top-ten player of that era. Yeah. I mean, the top ten players for an entire decade should all be probably going into the Hall of Fame because yeah, they're the ten that, best of a ten year period, you
0: know. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair to think about it. Even back then when there were only like three or four teams in the league, depending on the year. Um, and then more by the end, obviously, when in the thirties there were more teams. But um, you know, even even with so few teams, I still think like you're you're one of the very you know, let's say there's let's say there were on average four teams or five teams. you know and you're like the like at worst the third best defenseman of that period yeah i think not a chance you're not and it's it's it would be absurd to exclude him and uh yeah it looks like he had an amazing career played excuse me played for a very long time um for his era second in games i didn't mention second games played when he retired um and uh, yeah, it just seems like he had a fantastic career. It was very, very important to those Senators teams who were very, very good. Yeah. Which is hard for anyone to conceive of right now. But
1: that's story. Mark Stone's still good. Yes. <laughs> the rest of the team, though, I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: you know, you probably shouldn't get rid of your best player, possibly, in franchise history.
1: Yeah, probably
0: not. All right. That's all for us. Uh, we are moving on to, I think, 2012 in terms of our inducted players next episode so we we don't know who that's going to be at but there's a whole group of people including mats
1: which is exciting. oh that'll be an exciting episode
0: yeah yeah i look forward to trying to argue that he belongs um anyway uh i'm not biased at all
1: no not at all
0: not at all <laughs> anyway we uh
1: too, so we'll have an interesting discussion i'm sure. sorry wait for my team too so i'm sure we'll have an interesting discussion. yeah
0: yeah yeah Uh, So that's it for us. Uh, Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time. Take care.